Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. But before I bring on my guest, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which we featured the lithium king, Teague Egan, who is the president and founder of EnergyX. This company is doing amazing things with one of the rarest minerals that we need, lithium. So to learn all about EnergyX and what they're doing, please visit shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you know what? There's a lot of other stories in the latest issue of Shell Magazine that talks about energy, geopolitical, talks about energy, business, and so much more. So to read all about Teague, as well as other stories that are featured in Shell Magazine, please go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Wadsman. Jason, welcome back again to Annual Patch Radio Show. Kim, it's fantastic to be with you. The Astros won last night, tied up the series, so uh, I'm in a really good mood today. You caught me on a good day. Very good. Well, you know, I hate to say this, but the day before, there were a lot of angry people here in Houston, Texas. I tried to stay off the road on that first loss. It was, it was pretty bad around here. Um, so I'm glad they showed yeah, it. Verlander uh, doesn't pitch so well. And yeah, that was, that was tough. Um, uh, McCullers tipping his pitches. I mean, oh, it's been, it's been a up and down series. Yeah, it was a bad day, but all right, we're, it seems like we're back on track, and you and I are back on track, so let's get started with, you know, we uh, I went to the polls uh, Monday, uh, or to, you know, go, you know, place my selection of who's on the candidate. Of course, I went to go vote for Commissioner Wayne Christian, because he's always been a great railroad commissioner, or you know, he cares about the industry, he understands the industry, so I went, but I wanted to get your opinion, where is the alliance sitting with going uh, to the polls, who should, uh, you know, we be looking to for favoring oil and gas outside of Commissioner Christian? Um, are there any uh, candidates that you feel are um, good candidates to select that have um, a good idea of what we do here in Texas pertaining to oil and gas and are favored uh, to win? Are there any upsets that you're all are looking at and saying, this would not be a good candidate if they get in for oil and gas? Tell us a little bit about Texas politics. Well, I'm going to dance around your question a little bit, but uh, um, on Wayne Christian, absolutely for Railroad Commission, he's done a phenomenal job um, in his first term, uh, really through some pretty challenging times uh, for the industry uh, and for the commission, uh, in particular on, on the proration issue two years ago. Uh, you remember the Saudis and the Russians decided they would dump uh, crude oil into the international market that that plummeted the price of oil on top top of the COVID uh, lockdowns. And uh, Wayne really did a phenomenal job organizing 
a blue ribbon panel of experts uh, took a lot of input and really helped uh, to navigate uh, both the commission and the Texas industry through some very challenging times. And, and really the proof is in the pudding over the past two years. Texas has come back quicker than anywhere else. It, uh, we have uh, uh, now exceeded uh, our record production levels we're really helping out uh, the administration pretty considerably. If Texas had not bounced back, we'd be even lower in terms of our record production, not off by a million barrels, but but maybe even closer to 1.5 or 2 million barrels. Um, and so uh, his leadership, uh, along with the other commissioners there at the Railroad Commission, has really been fantastic. I would, I would strongly encourage uh, you and our listeners to, to get out and vote for Wayne. Um, uh, you know, past that, we're really blessed in Texas. We've got uh, uh, leaders on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, that, that are strongly supportive of Texas oil and gas. Um, a lot of our attention has been focused on what Congress looks like. Um, as you know, President Biden ran on shutting down the domestic oil and gas industry, also shutting down the Canadian uh, oil and gas industry. Um, and so, that uh, uh, elections have consequences, right? And so he won um, and he's worked pretty tirelessly uh, to enact some of those policies. It doesn't quite match his rhetoric. Uh, uh, he certainly called on us to increase production. We've done our part in Texas, uh, but the rest of the nation is still behind. Um, and certainly the rest of the world uh, is looking at looming recession. That's why OPEC Plus uh, decided that they would uh, spur him, not uh, <laughs> not acquiesce to his request to keep production high, and, and they'd actually start cutting back. So um, we're urging our members uh, get out there and vote for for uh, smart folks uh, in in Congress, and hopefully that means um, restarting federal leasing. Hopefully that means oversight over the administration that that has really pledged to. Um, uh, shut down domestic oil and gas. Uh, we think that's the wrong approach. It's the wrong approach for Europe, uh, but it's the wrong approach for the United States as well. Well, you hit a lot of different topics that we plan on uh, really diving into here in the show as it unfolds. Uh, but before we jump into what's happening in Washington, D.C. and the rhetoric coming out of this administration, as we consider going to the polls, um, I want to back up just a little bit and, and talk about, you know, y'all's work, what you do for your membership. It's vital. There's a lot of great associations pertaining to oil and gas, but I think that um, as uh, the listeners, the consumers of these oil and gas products, especially what you go to uh, the uh, gas uh, pumps and fill up your car, you're considering uh, prices are, are pretty stable right now, but that is a little misleading pertaining to what's happening right now. So, um, you know, who you vote for, what's happening, how energy conscious are these elected officials you're voting for all matter if you don't like uh, the amount that you've been paying at the pump. And it has been higher. And this administration is directly responsible for a lot of this uh, price gouging, if you will. And yet they're blaming it on the oil and gas industry. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, let's back up, take one step back and Tell us a little bit about Texas politics. We know that we're going to have a, a new section coming in 2023, and there's a lot changing pertaining to environmentalists, how they feel about Texas. There's a lot of, um, we see wind turbines and solar panels going up. 
Is there anything that you are concerned about the uh, alliance with what bills are going to come through potentially that are going to be harmful and you guys are going to be opposed to in the oil and gas sector pertaining to this session 2023 that we should? Yeah, so the Texas legislature will start up the second week in January uh, uh, here in a, a few short months. Um, and really, the main thing on their plate, they're sitting on a $27 billion budget surplus. Um, and so, $27 billion. $27 billion. That is for yeah. the listeners, so they understand how that $27 billion got there. <laughs> um, yes, uh, a considerable amount from the Texas oil and gas industry. I mean, uh, um, uh, Texoga just put out a great graphic the other day, $11 billion in oil and gas severance tax collections. On average, it's about $3 billion dollars a year. And so you're talking about an extra $8 billion uh, that has been uh, generated here in the state of Texas, um, uh, paying mineral owners, paying um, state pension funds, uh, just a, a, a phenomenal amount of economic activity taking place here in Texas that we're raising that money from around the country and around the world. Um, and so lawmakers uh, we'll have $27 billion. They don't like to keep that amount of money. Um, and so the, the governor, uh, Governor Abbott, has pledged to return some amount of it in, in terms of property tax relief. Uh, there will also be others looking for other types of tax relief, whether it's sales tax, whether it's on your electric bill, whether it's at the gas pump. Um, I, I think there's some smart ways to push that money back out to Texans, return it to them, um, uh, because really... Uh, um, if government holds on to it or they spend it, um, uh, then two years down the road, when we're not in such a rosy economic circumstances, uh, they'll want to raise taxes. And so we certainly don't want that. You know, what we're watching is in particular on electricity. Um, uh, we continue, even though there have been some significant improvements made since Winter Storm Uri in terms of communication, in terms of coordination, um, uh, the federal government has has uh, just poured fuel on more wind and more solar. And so we know that we were going to have more construction of wind and solar facilities. Um, and what is going to be the backstop when the wind stops blowing, the sun stops shining? And so that's that's really of primary concern. Um, what does that look like? Is it punitive towards natural gas? Uh, that certainly doesn't make sense. Um, does it allow for, for coal to get back into the picture? Uh, as we're seeing in Europe right now, um, that, that, that doesn't really make sense from an environmental standpoint. Um, and so we really need that backstop of reliable, affordable power. We think natural gas is, is the way to go. But um, there is, is no incentive to build natural gas in the state of Texas. Uh, all the guaranteed revenue is in wind and solar and battery. Uh, which is what the federal government has has created. And so we don't quite have a true market right now. And I think legislators will, will really be taking a look at that is how do we make sure that there's a backstop when the sun stops shining and the wind stops blowing? Very important because, you know, reminding our listeners, you know, it was just last February when we had a snow gate completely out of power and you uh, had no heat, it was cold. A lot of people did without for, you know, three, two, five, seven days. And they didn't quite understand why their utilities didn't come on. But, but if we pay attention to what happened back then and make good decisions in this session, you know, hopefully we know we have enough resources, right? It's about putting them 
uh, together wisely to make sure that we do not have that again. I think they'll review to see what has been done, if that was enough, or, or if they need to make some changes. Um, so we'll, we'll be watching Jason, it. Jason, bring us back real quick before we move on, because we're going to go to break. But the situation, um, as we remember, was the nobody remembered why, um, where we needed to turn off things and turn on things in that storm. Yeah, so uh, we had a number of interruptions in the field. Uh, we didn't have quite the weatherization that we needed. That's been implemented. We didn't have the firm contracting in place that these electric generators needed to do. As you know, uh, gas utilities stayed online through the storm. Well, why is that? Uh, it's because they contracted appropriately, made sure they had sufficient gas reserves in place in order to burn through that week. Um, uh, some of the electric generators did not have that, uh, instead speculating on the spot market. Okay, well, when we come back from break, thank you for breaking that down for us, but when we come back from break, I wanna get into DC politics because that is very important as we approach midterms. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to an old patch radio show. My guest today is the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modlin. Jason, um, before the break, we were discussing Texas politics uh, and us going to the voting booths and selecting our favorite candidate. Of course, that is um, uh, a candidate that you should select as a person or an individual that understands oil and gas topics, especially the vital part of place here in Texas. Uh, but I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the midterms pertaining to uh, what's happening in Washington, D.C. You know, ever since um, President Biden has taken office, he has waged war against the American fossil fuel energy industry. Um, and that has led to a 40-year high on inflation, um, and it has made life more expensive for all of us. Um, it was not uh, something that he did. When he ran for office, he told us, he warned us, uh, I want to put oil and gas out of business. And from day one, when he came in and signed an executive order, day one, canceling the Keystone Pipeline, uh, the writing was on the wall. And we have all experienced um, the green uh, energy uh, push that this administration and the Democrats like to push. And it has come back um, to, I think, haunt them. Uh, the roosters are coming home to roost, if you will. So I want to talk about uh, midterms. And um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about um, changing out this party and not leaving it to control because we've seen such reckless politics pertaining to oil and gas. And I want to get your opinion on the midterms. There's a lot of uh, media coverage that discusses that the Democrats will lose um, uh, the House and, uh, and Republicans will gain it to stop and slow down a lot of the policies, very, very poor policies are coming out of this administration. I'm gonna break, we're gonna break all that down today in today's show, but let's start with, do you see uh, a sea of red coming as a lot of uh, people are saying? What are your uh, vibes uh, from the 
from uh, the alliance it, as far as what will we see it, it certainly seems that way i mean obviously uh, uh we'll find out here in a, in a few short days what uh tuesday night looks like um uh, so I hate, I hate to speculate too much but but what we have seen um uh that that uh, metric that they like to point to sometimes the enthusiasm gap um i just saw a poll this morning 25 percent of democrats are excited to vote this the this uh, election uh and over 50 percent of republicans and so uh just that difference uh sometimes it's raining or sometimes it's cold and and you know you got to get out you got to go to the polls um uh here in texas we have one of the longest early voting uh, periods uh, in the country, and so it really affords people a lot of time. Uh, you know, if the weather's not good, uh, you know, you you go the next day. Um, uh, our early voting period ends this Friday. Uh, not sure exactly when this will air, and then obviously Tuesday is is election day. Um, so it does seem like uh, certainly the House is going to flip. Uh, the Senate is, uh, I, I think, um, it, where all the eyes are going to be on Tuesday night. Um, does it switch hands? Does it does it go Republican uh, or does it stay kind of 50 50? Um, uh, there's there's uh, a lot of Republican seats that are up for election this time that that tends to lend itself to, um, you, you know, you got to run the table and pick up some more um which is difficult um but polling around the country continues to show that enthusiasm gap and really what what does that mean right uh, uh as we go into the next year uh certainly joe biden is still going to be president um but we really haven't had congress um uh focused on pushing back against this administration uh they've been passing um uh well they tried to pass build back better um uh, thankfully senator manchin stopped that but then kind of morphed it into the inflation reduction act uh which resulted in a lot of expansion of wind and solar um uh, uh stimul um you know um incentives and and economic um uh, items, um, but less on on kind of oil and gas. There were some good items there, but um, it was uh, uh, just an amalgam of um, uh, different policies, not really a, a, a well thought out uh, energy policy for the country. Um, and, and so I think Congress, particularly if it's Republicans, they'll focus on permitting reform. Uh, they'll focus on following the law, making sure that um, uh, we we do lease um, uh, federal lands uh, for the benefit of the American people. That means oil and gas, but that also means some of these newer technologies like wind and solar. Um, uh, we'll also have uh, some oversight uh, when the administration sells off half of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I mean, uh, um, what was the benefit yeah. of that? Um, was it simply to uh, soften gas price? increases. Um, that's not really the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to help us get through a hurricane or help if we go to war, uh, God forbid, uh, that our, our tanks and our uh, helicopters and our jets are able to function. Um, uh, you know, the vice president likes to say that a Marine can just carry a battery um, and a Marine certainly can do that. Uh, but a tank and a helicopter and a jet can't. Um, uh, they don't function without jet fuel. Um, and so, uh, you know, just some of these things, it, it needs to be uh, broken down and, and, and just what's good energy policy for our country. Uh, Europe is grappling with that right now. Um, they just, you know, five years ago were convinced 
that they can get everything they need from Russia. Uh, they spurred uh, the Permian Basin in the Eagleford, said we don't want LNG from you because uh, we think uh, you're dirtier than Russian oil, um, which is completely false. Um, and so they became dependent on Russia. And when Russia uh, invaded Ukraine, then they had to rethink their strategy. Um, yeah. And now, you know, they're bringing coal back online. Um, uh, the UK, would, oh, go ahead. And I want to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break, but we're getting ready to jump into the strategic uh, petroleum reserves, what's happening in Europe. And we need to be paying attention because that is our future if we don't pay attention right now by these elections and electing people who are energy savvy. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the World Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find We're back. You're listening to In the World Patch Radio Show. My guest today is the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modulin. Jason, before the break, you, we were talking about how um, we're in midterms. Elections have consequences. We have seen it from this administration. You know, um, him coming into office uh, immediately, he uh, produced an executive order canceling the Keystone Pipeline. Um, and now this administration and the Democrat Party are in, on a um, mad dash rush, if you will, to uh, implement their green agenda. And in the midst of this, um, President Biden has been depleting our strategic petroleum reserve. You spoke about that, better known as SPR. Um, and he has sold off more than 200 million barrels. That's nearly 40% of what was stockpiled for an emergency. Um, and it's actually been more than any other uh, president in our history combined. Now we have Russia and the Ukraine war. We have China sending off uh, missiles. And we're gonna to get to that too a little bit later in the show, but this doesn't seem like the time that we should be depleting the SPR, considering that, like you said in the last segment, we go to war, it, it is there for a lot of reasons, but one of them is specifically because of it's a national security issue that we should all be concerned about. And this president has depleted it by 200 million barrels, 40% more than any other president put together. What are your thoughts on what, and I mean, we know he's doing it for the midterms and to manipulate the American people to go and vote. I, I will be honest about that and to try to save his party. First, is it a work? 
And how dangerous is this and reckless for this administration to be doing this? Well, I mean, we've been talking about it for for well over six months now. I mean, uh, when he first announced it there in the spring, um, uh, look, it, when when he first announced it, um, I didn't particularly have a problem with it as long as it was backed up with an expansion of drilling and production here in the United States. I mean, fundamentally, and this is that well, that's absolutely right. So th th that is the problem. The, the concept was uh, we are a million barrels down in terms of our record production. We also see there's a deficit on the global market. And so what we're going to do is we're going to tap into the SPR a million barrels a day for 180 days. So 180 million barrels a day uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but over that same time, over that same six months, we are going to ramp up production here in the United States, uh, um, conceivably getting us back to record production and the SPR on top of that, that was going to fill the deficit uh, on the international stage and result in a stabilizing of prices. That, that did not happen. There were not additional federal leasing, federal permits. Uh, we haven't seen other states really rise to the level that Texas has. Again, Texas has done our part. We've bounced back quicker than any other state, any other country in the world. Um, and yet the administration continues uh, to, to uh, uh, raise the level of uncertainty that um, oil and gas needs to go away by the end of the of the decade, uh, that we're going to have new rules on methane emissions, we're going to have new rules on investments at ESG and SEC, uh, we're going to have new rules on endangered species. This kind of constant uh, death by a thousand paper cuts uh, from your regulatory bureaucracy is what continues to constrain American producers. Um, and, we, and frankly, we haven't seen the rest of the world uh, bounce back either um, because we continue to see this rhetoric overseas. And so you're absolutely right. It is a huge risk uh, that we have the lowest levels in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Thankfully, we're largely past hurricane season, um, but when are we going to refill this? Uh, most people say we're, we're not anywhere near uh, the type of $60 oil that the administration was projecting that we will refill next year. And, and President Biden is not the sole problem on this. We've also had Congress, uh, Congress. In Congress and both parties utilize the SPR as a piggy bank. And um, and so both parties are guilty of doing that. Um, but you're absolutely right. President Biden drained 180 million barrels simply to get a nickel savings at the pump. Um, uh, uh, and remember, President Trump wanted to refill the SPR at twenty four dollars when it was historically low prices. Yes. And Congress told him no. And now we're looking at we have to refill this. Forty percent is gone at a dollar price of 60 or more. And that was entirely to be punitive to the oil and gas industry. That's what we're seeing with this windfall. Well, no, we're going to get into that after break. It makes no sense from a national security perspective. Exactly. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to an oil petri air show. We'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. 
So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, uh, a great group that lobbies on behalf of good, sound energy advice as well as policy. Jason, for the last 15 years, uh, Democratic uh, politicians, including President Biden himself, have relentlessly attacked um, oil and gas. Uh, from oil investments, oil production, oil transportation. And this, of course, has led into higher prices and lowering our national security as well. Um, instead of them uh, taking credit, or, or, you know, they're taking credit for uh, where they are right now, saying they're not anti-fossil fuel, but they really are when you look at the policies that they're pushing. The way that they have had an attack on the energy industry, rather, it's through uh, zero, uh, net zero, ESG, proposed bans on federal lands, the list goes on and on and on and on. And they basically have, their policies have created the train wreck we're in right now. And it is a season where we're going to go to the polls and go vote. But I want to bring us back to something that just hit the media. Uh, we, we all heard about it. And, and some people might think it was hilarious. That some you know crazy fanatics would go into a museum and throw a can of tomato soup at a Van Gogh and glue their head to the um, artwork. It, it seems crazy. And yet it's a group called just stop oil activism. And it made, of course, the news on uh, NBC. They basically claimed that they did it because they are trying to prove a point that we are destroying the planet, big oil and gas. Now, I just want to, you know, say for the listeners, you know, that super glue, that can of tomato soup, you know, everything we use is a derivative of oil and gas. It's impossible to get off of it. And yet these people are saying, stop, you know, just stop oil. I wish they would take one week before they go and do something this reckless and stupid and try to live without oil and gas for one week. If you want to complain about oil and gas and stop using them and see what happens to you within a week, you might not even be on the planet anymore, seriously, because you can't eat fresh, clean water. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that these people think that they're that we can get off of oil and gas. So I, I want to get your opinion on that because of course it was ridiculous and these people are, are absolutely nuts with some of the stuff they're coming up with. What is the industry saying about people that are uh, acting this inappropriate when it comes down to trying to make a statement against oil and gas? How are you yeah, I, You know, um, a, a lot of these are kids. Uh, not, some, not all of them, though. Uh, I've seen a lot of... Uh, um, you know, uh, older uh, Britons uh, spray painting various buildings, uh, ages, things of that nature. <laughs> um, I just think uh, they are terribly misguided. Um, uh, we need oil and natural gas uh, as a part of our modern economy. 
um, uh, the food you eat, the medicine uh, that uh, uh, keeps us healthy, all of it is sourced from oil and natural gas. Uh, it's what makes our world go round. Uh, certainly, uh, they're passionate about climate change and about uh, switching to uh, technologies like wind and solar. Both of those are heavily dependent upon either diesel <laughs> to dig it out of the ground uh, or move it around the country uh, or natural gas as a backstop uh, when those technologies aren't able to produce electricity. Um, and so um, I, I just wish they would see a fuller picture. Um, that is what the elected leaders in Europe are grappling with uh, when they shut down uh, nuclear power in Germany and uh, really pushed the, the, the French reactors uh, um, past their, their maintenance schedules. Um, it, you know, now they're, as, as you said, the, the chickens have come home to roost. I mean, now they're needing to tap back into coal. Uh, coal is having a record year. I mean, 2022 will be a record year for coal in terms of consumption, in terms of prices, in terms of production. Um, and uh, for all the rhetoric about we're going to reduce emissions um, to see uh, the continent of Europe uh, be the leader in coal uh, consumption is just truly remarkable. Uh, on top of uh, India and China, uh, China still building coal record plants. numbers of coal uh, um, uh, electricity generators. So it, you know um, uh, the rhetoric just doesn't match reality. Um, you know, it is refreshing to see uh, even some of the mainstream media is starting to say, look, we, we've got to look at these UN climate reports and actually read them. Stop taking um, uh, the Secretary General's tweets as facts and actually read the reports. And what they say is that, yes, our climate is changing, um, uh, but it is nominal degrees things that we can adapt to. Um, uh, and it is not the doom and gloom. It is not the end of the world. It is not the uh, rhetoric that we continue to see on, on, you know, social media platforms that just doesn't make any sense. Um, doesn't, so. and, these, and these groups, the um, just stop oil groups and things like that, look at Europe and you'll understand very clearly, not a good idea to, double down and triple down on unreliables. It's okay to have diversification, but it's not okay to double and triple down and have that because then you end up- I, I understand the hysteria over there. I mean, if you can't feed your kids, if you can't get to work, um, uh, you know, you are gonna be protesting out in the street. Uh, absolutely. But the solutions are we need more energy resources. I, I, I don't discriminate that we need some amount of wind and solar, but we need more. I mean, our, our planet is growing. Our energy demand is growing. In 30 years, our energy demand is going to increase by 50 percent. And how are we going to meet that demand? Where is that going to come Greeny, from? Greeny absolutely. That are saying, stop, you know, don't do this. And, and then we have have these uh, groups that are coming out uh, very misinformed, ill-informed, like you said earlier, um, trying to uh, stop this, but yet they have no idea what that really means. Um, let's take a break. When we get back, I want to talk about the windfall tax that good old President Biden uh, 
unleashed the other day on, of course, the American people and the oil and gas industry as well. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Lodlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, we've got a lot I want to get through um, in this last segment. President Biden uh, called out big oil, jaw-dropping profits, and raised the possibility of pursuing tax penalties on oil and gas companies. And actually, he did it in a press conference, which he had the uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and the Energy Secretary Jennifer Gramble that enough is enough. This is his policy, his administration, the Democrat party's policies that are causing this, and yet they turned around and called out big oil for taking record profits. What the heck is going on here with with him? I mean, the windfall (laughs) profits tax is something that comes around every once in a while. People dust it off from the 1970s and say, hey, this sounds like a a, a great idea. Uh, Let's let's stick people with with a a new tax. Um, It's it's entirely rhetoric. I mean, that was a political event hosted at the White House. There was absolutely zero proposal. Congress in no way is going to enact this because think about it. You're saying, I want you to invest more in the United States. But if you make a profit in the United States, I'm going to tax you on that. That is good old capitalism at its best. Well, you know, Greta Thunberg has said we're against capitalism. So, you know, that's where they're taking their talking points from. But, But just on the face of it, and people can think through this, you're going to take away the money that I was going to pay to mineral owners. You're going to take away the money that I was going to pay to pension holders both state and federal, Um, anyone with a 401k, you're going to take that money away. You're going to put it within the federal government. And you want me to invest more to build, to produce here in the United States. It's just crazy. They know it. It's just rhetoric. It was a campaign event at the White House. Um, You're not supposed to do it. I just don't understand why they would say this, because the American people are not buying it. This is why they're going to be all, a lot of them are going to be voted out. Uh, in a week or so. Let's switch gears and talk about Saudi Arabia. You know what? I've had uh, Fahad Nassar on the show. He's an official spokesperson for the uh, for uh, Saudi Arabia, the embassy. We've had a 75-year friendship with Saudi Arabia. And here we go with this administration pushing 
you know, their anti-oil and gas policies. Now they want OPEC to step up until after the midterms. Hey, could you just like stand down for a little bit or could you help us with getting reelected? Of course not. OPEC and OPEC plus are about trying to set oil prices that are stable. We've seen when they go up and down and around how bad that is for everyone. This administration to me is taking a, a 75 year friendship and basically throwing it in, in the wastebasket. And not to mention Saudi Arabia is kind of, and they never do, they're kind of pushing back on this president of saying, no, no, no. What, what do you think um, is the path forward with Saudi Arabia and of course OPEC pushing to continue the price cuts to keep oil stable, the prices, and this administration is, is calling them out. Yeah, I mean, it, it is extremely unfortunate. Um, uh, we know that the Saudis are going to work in their best interest. We, we fundamentally know that. And yet this administration has applied a standard that one, we need to get off of, uh, of um, oil and natural gas, uh, something that's just a benign goal that makes no sense. The second is that we want to keep gas prices low in the United States. Both those goals are in conflict with each other. So then he goes over Biden, to- But President Biden is calling out Saudi Arabia saying that they are basically working with Russia to do well, this. It, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You go around the world and you tell people that you're doing it wrong um, and uh, you're colluding with the Russians and we're not going to have any part of you. And they absolutely are going to go work with the Russians. They're going to go work with the Chinese. They're going to go work with the Indians that are looking at this and saying the United States has lost credibility. We, we have tremendously lost credibility when the administration is threatening export bans. I mean, right now we have a diesel shortage in the Northeast, but there's also a diesel shortage around the world. And the administration is threatening export bans uh, because they don't like how much refineries are making right now. And so th they are going to risk alienating the rest of the world elevating the United States as an unreliable energy supplier um, uh, simply for politics. I mean, it, it is um, it is a bizarre turn of events. You know, uh, Joe Biden was supposed to be the international affairs guy. He, he knew what was going on around the world. And this is remarkably bad statecraft. It's, um, it's, it's, it's bad energy policy, but it's also extremely bad foreign affairs. It's a very scary we're in a very scary place right now, in my opinion. You know, we've got China over the weekend uh, or, or at the beginning of August um, firing off missiles over Taiwan. This we've got Russia invading Ukraine and we've got a president here depleting our strategic petroleum reserves, making uh, it harder uh, in the world, if you will, with this anti oil and gas rhetoric. Tell me what, what is happening with China? Um, how, should, you know, these tensions are rising in that region. Is this also going to make a bad situation with energy even worse? What are your thoughts on what's happening with China? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, North Korea was also uh, uh, firing missiles. I mean, that, that is a, a volatile situation. 
there's no question that if Taiwan is targeted, uh, that would upend the global market as we know it, um, uh, because everything uh, relies on a semiconductor. Um, I, I would say it's it's not as important as as oil and natural gas, but it's it's a very close number two. Uh, um, the rest of our economy would not function without semiconductors coming from Taiwan. You know, you mentioned war in Europe. Uh, that's obviously scary. Uh, and then and then the conflicts in Asia are, are scary as well. So hopefully uh, we will have an administration that wakes up next week on Wednesday and decides that there is a check in Congress and they're actually going to do the work be smart about how they approach the rest of the world and really work in our interest and 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 work to bring along allies um, because right now what we're doing is we're telling our allies that we are unreliable and they should seek help from other people and where they're looking is russia they're looking at china and they're looking at, at, at india and and that um, will be a detriment to the united states down the road I think we'll close out the show. Uh, we are in election season and elections do have consequences. If you don't like what you're paying at the grocery store and your utility bills are extremely high, that's just a uh, snapshot, if you will, of what's coming. Should we continue to elect people that have anti oil and gas policies? And you have to think about it this way, too, Jason. We live on one planet, so if we're not bringing Russia and China and India into the mix and having this discussion how they can be greener, it's all, it's just disingenuous. So all we're doing is paying more to elect people that are anti-oil and gas while other parts of the world are blowing and going, you know, in the, in the name of absolutely no EPA. They have no agencies that have oversight to keep them cleaner and greener. So go to the polls and vote for people who actually are pro oil and gas here, right here in North America. Thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about oil and gas. And we look forward to having you back on next month. Thanks, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.